Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton and special guest host Crystal Davis here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Crystal, how are we doing? I am doing fabulous, doing fabulous. Traveling, but doing fabulous. <laughs> well, really excited to have you here and really excited to have uh, this special guest here with us today. We have an outstanding show teed up as we chat with the fearless transportation leader with one of the leading DIY do-it-yourself brands in the entire world. Legendary. Stay tuned for intriguing discussion. So are you ready to introduce our guest, Crystal? Oh, absolutely. All right, let's do it. So um, All right. <laughs> we've got, uh, see, we've got some energy and some juice in the room here today. Uh, as, as you know, Crystal and our fellow supply chain nerds, perhaps, and it's like, it's like having Ric Flair from supply chain come in and join us today, isn't it, Crystal? Exactly. <laughs> okay. So on that note, I want to welcome in our guest, Sarah Galitza, Vice President Transportation with the Home Depot. Sarah, good morning. Great morning. Great to see you guys. I'm excited about the about today. Really we are too. We are too. So, you know, you're already you've got a world championship belt with us here today. So you're in, <laughs> in good company and really excited to reconnect with you. So right. Sarah, um, for starters, before we get into the really good stuff, the heavy lifting. Let's get to know Sarah Galitza a little bit better. So tell us, where did you grow up and, and give us some anecdotes on your upbringing? Well, that one's, uh, that one's an easy one. Uh, I'll, I like that as a start question. So I grew up in uh, primarily in Lombard, Illinois, uh, which is the lilac capital of the world, uh, western suburb of Chicago, uh, until I was about 12. And then my family moved to Atlanta. And then I've kind of bounced around uh, uh, after that fact. Uh, but growing up, uh, I grew up obviously a Cubs fan, okay, uh, and a Bears fan, uh, and that no matter where I live stays with me. Uh, so <laughs> that has never never changed. Cubs uh, and the Bears. Tough. It's 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 tough on both realms most years. Uh, well, you know those cool, uh, uh, Sarah. Uh, two quick notes, and 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 uh, Chris, I'm not sure about you, but I think everybody and their brother and sister were. 1985 Bears fans uh, on that, on that in, yeah. incredible season. Yeah, you know, I'm a big Clemson fan. The Fridge, uh, I think that was his rookie year. Of course, the touchdown he had. I mean, the, the incredible team. Walter Payton, uh, Jim McMahon, yes. ton of personalities. And Amazing. beyond that, of course, the Cubs, Crystal and Sarah, uh, broke that long drought just a couple of years ago. So, Sarah, mm-hmm. uh, it's been a pretty exciting journey as a, as a Cubs and – Bears fan, huh? Oh, completely. You know, I have a, a small supply chain story that that also has to do with the Bears. Uh, many years ago, I was at Promat in Chicago, and I went to the booth of big ass fans, the large industrial fans. And guess who was there? William the Refrigerator Perry. Uh, and he was signing hats, big ass fan hats. Uh, and so I thought it was fantastic. I was so excited. That was the only time at any of those conferences I actually waited in line for something. So I still have my big ass fan hat side by number 72. Oh, okay. I got to get a picture of that. Number one. And number two, a lot of folks don't know 
that uh, the fridge had a younger brother named Michael Dean Perry, who also went to Clemson. Uh, his nickname was the Icebox. He, he's a little bit smaller, but uh, it was remarkable. Uh, for the fridge was ahead of his time. All right, so Crystal, um, we could talk about uh, sports and probably Absolutely. Illinois and growing up in Chicago and then moving to Atlanta for quite some time. But let's talk about the Home Depot a little bit. I think we're going to do some level setting on the front end, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sarah, it's so great to have you here, a fellow woman in supply chain. So just to get us kicked off, can you just talk a little bit about the sheer size and the scale of the enterprise? Yeah, absolutely. So Home Depot operates 2,300 stores. Uh, we had $131 billion in sales last year, 2020. We have over 500,000 associates. Some interesting stats about just some recent growth uh, that, that the company has seen. Uh, in Q2 uh, this past, uh, this year, we had over 40 billion in sales in the quarter, which is the first time we've ever hit that mark. So we're definitely continuing to, to take market share uh, and grow in this uh, really crazy environment. Uh, just in the last six quarters, uh, we've grown our business by more than $34 billion. So when you think about market share and and just the growth that we've seen and then how supply chain has had to, to react to that, uh, it, it's really been uh, quite quite remarkable. Mm. Hey, really quick, Crystal. Uh, and I, I, really, I love this question because I think from a scope standpoint and context, context is so important. It really shows just how big of the challenge uh, that mm -hmm. that Sarah and and the supply chain team has to meet. So you, you said five hundred thousand employees, Sarah. Is that right? That's correct. Wow. Associates. We call them associates. Associates. My apologies. Yeah. I knew better. Um, so one last thing. I've noticed you on social media. You and the team. Uh, one of the great silver linings of this time of this of this pandemic time is 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 recognizing all these associates and all the folks across global supply chain. And, you know, including retail that, that has, you know, hasn't missed a beat, has kept us all moving forward. And I know uh, from what I've seen and read about you, that's important to you, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when, when we started in the pandemic and at the time I was uh, running uh, the reverse logistics uh, group and had obviously facilities in the field and tons of associates that were still going into work every single day. And I can tell you, I was so impressed with the Home Depot executive leadership you know, we talked every day, right? There were COVID-related calls and, and the biggest focus was making sure our associates were safe, right? If if sales wasn't as great as we wanted, that's okay. Yeah. As long as our associates were safe, we wanted to make sure that was a priority and the rest will will come. And it clearly, it clearly did. Uh, we had some amazing sales, but first off, it was making sure our associates are safe, taking care of our customers. And then from there, you know, everything else happens. <laughs> I love that. You mentioned reverse logistics. I know Crystal's going to mm -hmm. ask you about that momentarily, but one last comment. You know, a lot of times folks don't think of all that the massive retail workforce that has had to find a way to come in and take care of the customer, you know, from, from the um, point of sale to stocking, you, you name it. Uh, as a former uh, grocery industry uh, stock person, you know, that remember those days finally. You know, that's a very important part of the workforce and a big important part of your 500,000 plus strong army of associates, which is great to yeah. hear about. Yeah, we've always been a, you know, a values-based company. And during the pandemic, it, it really showed uh, that Home Depot does take it extremely seriously. Yeah, well said. Okay, so Crystal, we're, we're going to talk about returns and reverse logistics, right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Sarah, can you speak a little bit about kind of um, the growing importance of the success of of the returns and and reverse logistics during this time, uh, especially in today's retail climate? Yeah, absolutely. It was an area of the business that I hadn't spent a lot of time in uh, as a supply chain uh, professional most of my career. Uh, But the one thing that I learned very quickly going into that was returns will happen, right? There's always uh, things we want to do as a company to prevent a return by making products better, better information to to make sure that the customer understands what they're purchasing. Uh, But at the end of the day, if the customer is not happy, right, Home Depot is going to take care of them. And the biggest thing that we can do with those returns is make sure that they do not end up in the landfill. And that is, that is the primary goal of, of that uh, reverse logistics program is if the vendor wants it back, right, we'll send it back to them. If they don't want it back, we will look at recycling, reselling, reusing as much as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always had uh, people would actually return and sometimes not even purchased at Home Depot, but they would return flags or just bring a flag back to the Home Depot. And so all of our reverse logistics processing centers had a Gaylord full of flags that we would collect and then bring to a local veterans uh, association. So it was a, it was a really great story. Uh, it's not pretty. It's not a pretty business <laughs> by any stretch. Right. Uh, but, you know, it was all about maximizing the value of that and completely reducing as much as we can the landfill. I love that. But that definitely speaks to the value proposition that you mentioned before and staying focused on core values, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the Yeah. So, you know, uh, Crystal and Sarah, I had the good fortune of touring one of those processing centers uh, years ago, probably four or five years ago now. Met you briefly there, Sarah. And yeah. to your point, it is, uh, as, as those items came in, you could see it. The Home Depot and, and the, the team of associates tried to find every way of recycling gets a lot of that stuff back on shelves and you know, leaving no stone unturned. And we're going to need a lot more of that type of um, uh, focus, right? And, and deliberate intent in the years to come mm-hmm. as, because as Sarah put it, puts it, returns are going to happen. And the, and the easier you make it, don't be surprised if the more returns happen, just, it goes, it's, it's part of retail, right? Absolutely. And it's, it's great to see what the the team has done over the years. It started off in a in a very manual type environment, and now it actually just opened up the fourth uh, RLC. It's actually called Repair and Liquidation Center. Uh, they just opened their fourth one uh, at the beginning of this year uh, up in uh, Pittston, Pennsylvania. So okay. that was exciting to see. With the growth, obviously, of the company and digital, uh, it was required, and and it's uh, up and running and fully automated. Pittston, Pittston, is that right? Pittston. Pittston. I wonder what, uh, we'll have to do some homework on what Pittston's known yeah. for, Crystal. Um, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Distribution centers from what I can tell right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So, um, all right, Sarah, I want to, I want to kind of continue to switch gears. We, we've kind of, we've, we've talked with you kind of more from a rear view mirror standpoint, right? Where you grew up, what you did previously uh, for Home Depot. Of course, we did some level setting on just the sheer size of the enterprise, which is just remarkable. Let's talk about what you do now for the Home Depot. So shed some light there, and then we're going to ask you about some Eureka moments. Absolutely. So uh, at the end of January, in the midst of a both domestic and international uh, shipping crisis, uh, I became the vice president of transportation. And so what that means for Home Depot is I manage pretty much everything that ships from a vendor to one of our distribution centers, and that's uh, both import and domestic. We manage the transportation. Uh, and then 
anything from our distribution centers out to our stores. So the only thing that I don't really manage that we have a separate uh, group that is doing is the actual customer delivery portion. So everything shipping from our direct fulfillment centers, all of our new one supply chain uh, facilities where we're doing uh, both job site and customer delivery, big and bulky, uh, that is that is managed separately. But all of the other uh, modes, uh, obviously, the the primary for us is truckload. We do intermodal, obviously, a lot of ocean freight, uh, and then very little. We have to mention air freight, be, and, but I joked with uh, somebody the other day that if Home Depot has to use air freight, that means I've made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good way of putting it, right? Yeah, um, but it's a great it's a great team. I, I manage a, a fantastic team of people that have been transportation experts and have been in the industry. This was my first actual job in transportation, and uh, and so I always want to make sure I thank my team. They've been uh, extremely patient and gracious uh, with the learning curve that I've had. So we well, you know I, I got a Crystal. Think you and I have chatted about this before. You know, there's mentoring, right? And then there's there's reverse mentoring, which is Sarah is kind of alluding to, right? Where senior leaders learn right. from from folks that have that have you know been doing certain things for quite some time. It's really important. We could even learn from folks just coming into the industry now. Uh, Crystal, there's a lot of value there, huh? Um, absolutely, absolutely. But it definitely must be tell leadership. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about speaking of of learning opportunities. You know, we, we reference Eureka moments uh, around here all the time. And unfortunately or fortunately, uh, here in the last uh, year and a half or so, we've had those opportunities for Eureka moments seemingly on an hourly basis. So, Sarah, based on what you do and, and your journey, um, what's been a powerful Eureka moment for you? Oh, boy. I think, you know, it's, it's tough to even narrow it down to one. Uh, but the thing that I would say is, uh, you know, when the international shipping and and frankly domestic we got to a point where we realized you there was not enough capacity in the market to buy your way out of it and that was a very surreal moment i think mm. for for home depot who normally has no problem trying you know getting capacity both whether it's domestic or or international uh and with the driver shortages uh with the uh the, inter- the global shipping uh crisis it became a point where you that, and that's really how we ended up with the charter, frankly. But it, that's been the biggest eureka moment for me was was the fact that things got so out of control and 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 so difficult to manage that even somebody with our buying power and our leverage uh, were struggling to to get capacity. Well, that tees us up perfectly uh, for the next couple of, of of questions here. And and Crystal, I'm not not sure about you, but when we hear Sarah. Um, it's challenging to buy yourself out of it. You know, one of the um, uh, challenges of this time is companies, you know, small and medium-sized companies without wherewithal, like the Home Depot. There's very they're, they're, we're running out of workarounds, right? And it's just one of the many uh, wrinkles of this these interesting times we're living in, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So let's. Um, so you talked about the charter. Uh, I want to get. I want to get an update on the one supply chain initiative in, in a minute, but home, the Home Depot turned a lot of heads when the news broke. I'm not sure exactly when, a few months back, that you were going to charter a container vessel. So tell us about that. Yeah, it's 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 become infamous, uh, clearly, uh, and and it's interesting. What I would say is it, it it really did start off as us as a team talking and saying we need more capacity. Demand is greater than supply. 
And I was an economics major, so that resonated with me. And uh, what and we were brainstorming. At the time, people were talking about uh, air freight and can we charter a plane? And, and so for us, we said, well, we could fit like maybe 10 containers of freight into a, a 747. Right. So probably not going to be a game changer for, for Home Depot. We said, well, why don't we charter a ship? Uh, and so the team then just worked with several of our third parties and figured out a way to uh, to charter a ship. It was actually a bulk vessel that we converted, or not we, somebody converted to a container ship. Uh, and it was a it was frankly a learning experience for everybody. Uh, we had some different uh, options with regards to the ports that we were using in terms of loading and unloading. Uh, but it turns out it was a great way uh, to really move a large chunk of product out of an origin that was that was in a backlog situation. Mm. And so since then we have uh, you know done several more uh, charters in sometimes sim- similar destination, sometimes different origins. And it's really for us, it's based on you've got X much product that's going through. We know what our contracted rates are. We have some really amazing partners. Uh, that we have our contract with uh, some NVO partners as well. And so we leverage those as best we can. And then kind of the last resort is 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 a charter. And it it as much press as it's gotten, which is great, uh, it really only represents it's less than five percent of our of our volume. So it's a very, very small percentage. So and that speaks going back to what Chris was asking about earlier, the the the, the scope of the operation, you know, just how much y'all move. Um there's a song we like to move it, move it. The Home Depot makes. <laughs> I am not envious of your role, Sarah. Hey, that's all I got. Some dad jokes, Crystal. Uh, I want to ask you really quick before we get an update on one supply chain. You know, even if it is only five percent, you know, I, I bet it's it's allowed uh, some priority moves to take place. And again, within the Home Depot's control, man, leadership getting that creative, right? Uh, and and mm-hmm. that bold that. That's energizing. Even you know, even if it is only five percent, Crystal. What what does that say to you? Oh, absolutely. I love it. I love the fact that you that you all were open to brainstorming and really, this is like this is a great example of thinking outside of the box. And I'm sure it energized the team mm. right to solve these complex problems in a very different way. So kudos. Yeah, it's you know we we talk about our supply chain being very resilient, very flexible. And, and this was just a great example of that. And what, what I think is really cool and says a lot about, about Home Depot is, you know, to, to, to commit to something like that, right? It wasn't a, wasn't a small effort, right? We had to get everybody aligned from our merchandising team. At the end of the day, anything we spend in transportation, right? The merchant at the end of the day is the one who balances cost and, and, uh, and sales. Right. So we had to partner with our merchandising folks. We had to partner with our uh, finance team, our inventory planning and replenishment group, and all get aligned on that this was something that was the right thing to do for the company. And it didn't take that long, honestly, for us to be able to get approval to move forward with it. So it was it was that idea of coming up with something and then not being afraid to ask for it mm. and say, here's an opportunity. If the company said no, or the you know the executive team said no, okay, but we were we made a commitment to ourselves not to not to uh, hold back at all. Right. And if there was an opportunity, we were going to share it. And, and some have moved forward and some haven't. Yep. Not, no business as usual, especially during these crazy times. 
Yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of, of major investments and big moves, <clears throat> the one supply chain initiative, which was announced a few years back by Home Depot, I believe at last count, I need to get my calculator out, I was like a $1.2 billion investment in supply chain for the enterprise. Um, there's so many, we, we could spend hours upon hours just on that initiative, but give us a few updates on, on what you are seeing. Yeah. So to your point, it was over a billion dollars over five years. It started in 2018. Uh, and really the goal was, was simple, be the fastest, most efficient supply chain for home improvement products. And you know the goal at the end of the day was to be able to reach 90% of the population same day, next day with both parcel and big and bulky, bulky products. So that's not a, a, an easy task particularly on the big and bulky products. And, you know, that's really something that Home Depot is tackling that I don't know that anybody else is, is building a a framework to deliver projects of any size. So single faucet, hand tools to enough materials to remodel an entire basement. So our new uh, flatbed delivery network uh, is doing a lot of that job site delivery as well to customers' homes. Uh, and it's it's really been going extremely well. You know, the, the entire uh, supply chain and company is extremely entrepreneurial. And so we like to, we test and learn uh, on a regular basis and making sure that we're listening to the customer. And when they have something that they say, this is how I'd like to, to receive the product, uh, we listen. And so it's been a, it's been a great success. And I, the fact that we've continued to make progress and continuing to open up new buildings, our market delivery operations, uh, our flatbed delivery uh, during the pandemic uh, was, I think, extremely impressive as mm-hmm. an organization. And talk about fortuitous uh, that you, action was taking you know, three or four years before this current environment. I mean, goodness gracious, that is a uh, that is a uh, a stroke of genius, right? Uh, in terms of planning and mm-hmm. execution, um, you know. One last question for you, and then Chris, I'm gonna throw it over to you. And we're gonna talk about digital transformation, which is also, you know, we hear on the hour. Um, we talked about the chartered ship, uh, and, and we also referenced the capacity crunch. Anything else that you want to mention, whether it's you know part of the one supply chain initiative or other things that y'all that the Home Depot team has been doing to break through this capacity crunch? Yeah, you know, I think the big thing for us, at least from, and I've only been in the chair during a crisis, right? So it's a little bit unique for me. Uh, But the thing that I'm really trying to focus on uh, is being transparent uh, within the organization. Uh, We have a weekly meeting uh, where we share information with our field teams that are out there every day on the front lines, uh, working belly to belly with our customers. And so I want to be transparent about the challenges that we have, making sure we're aligned as a as an organization on the priorities and what we're going to, you know, move first, second, and third. And I think that's been a really big win for us internally, is is being a little bit vulnerable, sharing the challenges, and having trust that people aren't going to use it against you. And and I think historically, sometimes there are a lot of supply chains that you know operated very much in a silo. And I think that's one great thing about Home Depot and how we've uh, you know, really transformed over, over the years is to make supply chain a, just a part of the organization. And we're one cog, right, in the, in the wheel. And, uh, and so I think that's been really helpful for, for Home Depot in uh, embracing that type of a culture. 
Yeah, I love that, Sarah. And hey, belly to belly brings a fun visual to mind, Sarah. And and beyond it being fun, I mean, gosh, it it has been an intricate uh, one two Potomac two step maybe between customers these days and and and, and supply chains, frankly, at the yeah, leading edge of being able to serve them. Okay, um, Crystal, we're going to talk about digital transformation next, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And Sarah, I had goose. Bumps, as you were talking about making supply chain a part of the business, like, oh, I wish that would happen had happened back <laughs> in my day. <laughs> it makes such yes, a so listen. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure it does. That that's beautiful. That's a beautiful cultural transformation. So, uh, but yeah, to, to Scott's point, let's let's shift to digital transformation. So a lot of you know organizations are looking in terms of business resiliency and operational resiliency that digital is a big part of that. Can you tell us uh, what you think are some of Home Depot's most successful aspects of your digital transformation game plan? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the, the biggest thing for Home Depot is that we think of digital as just part of how we sell and transact with our customers. Uh, we talk about interconnected retail all the time, right? So we have we have tons of visits. We had 3.6 billion visits on our digital properties. Uh, and on a two-year basis, the sales from those digital platforms increased about 100%. Mm. Uh, but wow. what's really cool about it is that 55% of our online orders are actually fulfilled through the store. And so that's why we talk so much about interconnected is sometimes a customer will start online, finish in the store and vice versa. Uh, and so for us, it was about making sure we're listening to the customer and how they want to interact and not necessarily thinking about from a merchandising perspective as online versus in store, right? We, we really connected those two things together. And I think that's, that's helped uh, because we're all both the merch, all the merchandising teams, marketing, everybody's focused on the same goal, which is however the customer wants to purchase uh, and however they want it delivered, we're gonna we're gonna take care of that. And so that it's been a uh, it's a a lot of work uh, <laughs> over the years to 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 make sure that we had the right platform, that we had the right uh, experience both on the app. We have a experience also for our pro business to make sure that our pros can. Uh, operate in the same type of an environment, but their needs are different than, than a consumer. Right. Uh, and so we've done a lot of focus on uh, making sure we're, we're, we're following where they want to go. Uh, we've talked a lot about our planned pro purchases, right? There's Home Depot has always been a great destination for, uh, for pros when they have something that is broken or they and need just to clarify. Product. Well, Sarah, really quick, when you say pros, you're talking about professional contractors, right? That's correct. That's correct. Uh, and so one of the things that we're using our digital uh, transformation is also making sure that we can connect our pro customers uh, and allow them to make large planned purchases. So I need lumber for a job site. I need uh, roofing. I need all these, these things. And so we like to think about the customer and all those different aspects, not just the the person sitting on their phone, right, browsing product. Right. Uh, it's all the different types mm-hmm. of customers that we have. So those flex- flexible options is really what we uh, we want to focus on. You know, Sarah and Crystal, um, we talked about how we hear the words digital transformation all the time. Of course, we hear capacity crunch all the time. Some other things we're, we're talking about, but one phrase we don't hear as much anymore 
is no, you can't do that, Mr. or Mrs. Customer. And that's what Sarah is really speaking to, right? Mm -hmm. The power, the 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 leverage that customers have these days and getting it their way um, in whatever channel or platform. I mean, really, it, it's a intriguing uh, business study of, of, of where we are here in 2021. Yeah, um, one, of the, one of the more interesting things that I love to share with people that I don't know sometimes about the Home Depot app and because I, it's something I use every day. Well, every day I'm in the store uh, <laughs> is you can search for a product on the app and then find out exactly which aisle and which bay it's in in the store and it'll walk you there. And to me, that is such a cool aspect of, you know, I always used to joke when you, when uh, I joined Home Depot and you, you, you start working in the store, right? Which we, we highly encourage a lot of people to do on a regular basis. And people would walk in, see the orange apron and ask me where a very one specific product was because I had the orange apron. And you know, we have over 50,000 different products stocked in our, in our stores. <laughs> and, 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 but at the end of the day, they were expecting me to tell them exactly where to go. So that's how I learned pretty early on about that, <laughs> that, uh, that version, that functionality in the app. And it, it's gotten so much more uh, sophisticated over the years. Yes. And uh, it's just, it's again, some, some people don't want to ask the question to a customer or to an associate. And so they can, they can DIY how to get right. There. Well, you know, uh, speaking, I, you know, I mentioned my grocery background. What would always get me when customers ask me where in uh, uh, Winn-Dixie back in the day is where I worked uh, stocking shelves. My first job, $4.35 per hour, the condensed milk. Uh, excuse me, sir. Where is the condensed milk? That would get me every single time. And we probably didn't have 50,000 uh, items in our store back then. But anyway, Crystal, I digress. What are we talking about next? <laughs> I can tell you where the condensed milk is, but I'm guilty of asking the orange apron. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, don't be surprised if they don't know all 50,000. Uh, oh, yeah, it could be somebody from I'm, the store support center that, that knows maybe 10 of them. So, absolutely, absolutely. But I do love the intimacy that you described about the user experience. So, that's awesome. So, on that same vein of digital transformation, let's talk a little bit about sustainability, which is probably, you know, more important now than ever. Uh, what is the Home, Home Depot doing in this area? You know, that's a that's a great question. It's something we love uh, talking about. Uh, we have our, uh, our vice president of sustainability, Ron Jarvis, and you know, he, he works in the supply chain uh, organization and he and his team have done just an amazing job. We partner so many different third parties. Uh, we just released our 2021 ESG report, and that has a ton of information about all the things that we're doing really to improve the environment across the enterprise. Uh, and we have, we've, we've done a couple of really great things. One is we've pledged to have 100% renewable energy for all of our Home Depot facilities worldwide by 2030, which is a big deal. Uh, on the carbon footprint, all of our investments in supply chain, so whether it's uh, you know automation in the facilities or filling trucks <laughs> more uh, than, than we used to, uh, we received a, it was 22% reduction in carbon dioxide emitted for each dollar of revenue we earned in 2020 versus 2019. So we're becoming so much more efficient in moving product and reducing that that carbon footprint. Uh, it's something we started tracking. Gosh, I, it was probably ten years ago mm. when we first started looking at our carbon footprint early on in our supply chain journey, and and it's really been amazing. Uh, we also do things like uh, hydrogen fuel cells uh, in 
we've got them right now in, I think, about nine uh, of our supply chain uh, facilities. Uh, so emission, emission-free fuel for forklifts, right? It's mm. we evaluate it, uh, and it's it's really been uh, a great win for, uh, especially when we're opening up a new facility. It's really easy uh, to instead of retrofitting uh, to hydrogen, it's really been a great option. Uh, we've reduced the electricity consumption by 16 million kilowatt hours in 2020. So just some amazing work uh, that we as a both as a transportation team as a as a total supply chain uh, work daily to make sure we're we're uh, doing what's it, what's needed for the for the environment for sustainability. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, you know, and just like um, price and availability and certain products, all those things are important to consumers more and more. Have been for years. Uh, sustainable business models. You know, consumers are more and more voting with their wallet. Right? Is that what, what, what you're finding, Sarah? Absolutely. And you know, the other piece that that we like to focus on also is recruiting. Right? We as Home Depot want to make sure you know we also can showcase what we're doing from an environmental perspective uh, to make sure we're also getting the best talent right now. I think as a as the younger generation is is much more uh, focused and willing to spend money on a company that has uh, a good plan. And so both for the customer that our existing customer, our future customers and our future associates, uh, these are these are big things that you know obviously are good for many other reasons. That's just a, another side benefit. Right. Love it. Uh, gosh, this this uh, day and age of, of trying to become a talent magnet is so important. And you know on that note, uh, you know we've interviewed some of your past colleagues in the past as a veteran, I really admire uh, what home, the Home Depot does to invest in not just veteran support um, projects and initiatives, but also to hire veterans, uh, which uh, is, is a great thing to do. So I admire y'all's company for what you do there. Okay. So Crystal, we've come so far with Sarah. Of course, we could dive you know, from where she grew up to uh, just, the, just the overall, the Home Depot enterprise and, and some of the things they've done there. We could have a whole series uh, with Sarah Galitza, right? It's been an amazing conversation. <laughs> so um, before I continue forward, I'm going to ask Sarah uh, a couple final questions here. But Crystal, so far, what Sarah has shared, what's been, what's been, what's going to be one of your key takeaways from this discussion with Sarah here today? So I have two competing ones. One is the supply chain being integrated. You know, you know, in the company and not just kind of a, a silo. Right. Absolutely love that. Um, it's and it's so pivotal now and important now with all of the supply chain challenges that are getting noticed at the top of the the organization. But I'll say the biggest one for me is throughout the conversation, Sarah, you've illustrated how the company's core values are really present in the work that you do, how you lead the team, how you engage the team, how you attract talent, how you care for the world and the, and the environment. So it's been a great conversation and you've, you've just demonstrated how important it is for a company's core values to come through in the everyday work that you do. So mm. kudos. Yeah, that's been such a big part of the of the company is you know, we do training and all these things on leading through our core values, leading with our core values. And it yeah. is, it's just the, I'd say that just the guiding principles, right, of the company. And and if you make decisions through that values wheel that we have, uh, you really can do no wrong. 
uh, as long as you're you're leading uh, through and making decisions with that values. Great observations there, Crystal. I really appreciate that. It it, it does seem like it's it's filtered down right into day to day business. Absolutely. Um, okay, so Sarah, and by the way, it seems like you really enjoy what you do, I, Crystal. I've had well, you know I've had plenty of these conversations, uh, and sometimes you get folks that you know, their eyebrows are scrunched and, and, and they're showing the pain of getting through what they do. Sarah, it looks like you're having a ball. You know, mm-hmm. I, I am. I am having a great time. I've got a fantastic team, a fantastic group of, of colleagues uh, that I work with across the, the supply chain, uh, a great leadership team. Uh, and so I would say, yeah, I'm, you know, I, there are probably more gray hairs now than, <laughs> than when I took the role in, in January. Luckily, there's remedies for that. Uh <laughs> But I, but I am having a great time. Uh, I think Home Depot is just an amazing company, and and to to be able to lead uh, an amazing team through these really tumultuous times is right. is really a privilege. I love that. And checking out my Home Depot app, yes, there's remedies for gray hair. Aisle fifty four on your local <laughs> uh, local store, right? Um, all right. So final two final questions for you. First up, uh, finish this sentence for me, Sarah. Fill in the blank. It'll fill in the blank. Uh, global supply chain leadership would be better if, how would you finish that sentence? I would actually go back to some of the earlier comments and say, if we didn't act in a silo um, and, and trust your partners upstream, downstream, vendors, uh, customers to, to help guide in those decisions. It, I think it's just for me having also the perspective, I, I was a, I've worked in our inventory planning and replenishment team. I've worked in distribution. I've been a merchant before within Home Depot. Having that perspective um, really, I think, has has helped also open up the entire team's eyes to, you know, this is a, everybody is really trying to do the right thing. A lot of times just not understanding uh, what an individual group is is focused on. So to me, it's all about breaking down those silos, working working really well cross-functionally within supply chain and then across uh, the organization to me is is really what, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to try and start solving uh, our our port crisis and <laughs> all those other things uh, because I'm, I don't think there's an easy solve for any of that right now. Right. Uh, but uh, that that communication and transparency uh, within an organization to me is, is critical. Yeah, great answer. And two quick thoughts, and Crystal, I'll welcome yours as well. I think first, when you talk, you know, there's been the ports perhaps have never been in the spotlight as much as they have been these last eighteen months. And and you know, Sarah talked about transparency and transparency when it comes to challenges. I think one of the big lessons learned and one of the big opportunities we're going to have, especially here in North America, uh, you know, you got ports leaders coming out and and they're calling out the fact that we do business in some cases a couple of decades behind how the, how the ports conduct business in the parts of the world. So there's a tremendous opportunity for much more effective collaboration and data sharing and coordination amongst at least our nation's ports. And we'll see if we can make progress in uh, in that regard in, in the months and years to come. But then secondly, you know, the silo, both of y'all called out the silo because whether we like it or not, the silo mentality is found across industry and especially when it comes to, to supply chain. We've seen big enterprises try to integrate you know, pull everything into kind of these massive, uh, not not control towers, but massive um, uh, functional areas, departments, and whatnot. It's it's 
it's next impossible. But Crystal, those are two things that come to my mind as Sarah um, shared her answer to our fill in the blank question. Any final thoughts on your end before we make sure folks know how to connect with Sarah? No, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, in terms of, of the ports, I think it's going to take, you know, a lot of collaboration across uh, the globe to, to figure out those those challenges and to adopt best practices, you know, across the board. Definitely, um, you know, to, to relieve some of that backlog. Yep. Right. And then uh, as it relates to the silo position, I think that's so critical because um, I can tell you that a lot of supply chain professionals that I speak with now, they just feel like they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, And so, you know, to be able to uh, engage with them in a different way as a partner, um, I think is is more important now than ever uh, in this time of crisis. Uh, The supply chain professionals have been in, in this time of crisis going on you know, 19 months now. So it starts to weigh very heavily on people. People start to feel burnout, you know, never a sense of, of, of accomplishment in the role. So I think it's a, it's a big deal for people. Mm, excellent point. And Sarah, I'll give you any comment there to, um, um, you know, kind of the profession and, and how, while we've, you know, as, as Greg White, who I host a lot of shows with, as he says, you know, supply chain is earned to see at the table, but we celebrate that momentarily because we got to get to work and got to earn it. We got to deliver now. Uh, and and yeah. as Crystal points out, I mean, it, this has been a um, a long, uh, slow burn at times, fast burn other times, and and it's important to 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 uh, keep these practitioners um, take care of our people, right, Sarah? Right. Oh, absolutely. And and I hear it. Uh, and it if there's one thing that I'm concerned about more than anything else right now, it's it's burnout on the team. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've been. I've been in the game in this role for only eight months. And uh, a lot of these folks have been literally every weekend, week out, constantly trying to get more capacity, trying to minimize costs, trying to to fulfill uh, all of our customers internally and externally uh, with what they need. And and that's that's the thing I worry most about is, you know, supply chain, a lot of times, uh, if something goes wrong, right, those are the loudest voices. Right. And and so trying to remind the team of celebrating everything that we did do <laughs> really, really well and, and to not focus on on the things that you can't get done uh, because we're, we're doing a heck of a lot more good than than bad. And yeah. that's just a great reminder to, to my team. And that's, again, something that that I worry about more than anything. I love that honest, genuine perspective. Uh, and, and just to, you know, to uh, maybe state the obvious. That that goes across the global profession, Crystal. What you're talking about. I mean, you know that that, um, you know, whether you call it burnout, whether you call it constant stress and fatigue. You know, we, we've been in in uh, you know solving problems goes with the territory, but solving we've had so many newer problems and and more consistent. It's been tough to get to uh, that root cause and and put it out. You know, uh, be done with it. Right seems like it pops up next hour or next day or whatever. So, but we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. It's, it's going to take um, mm-hmm. incredible action oriented, real leadership, which uh, is in demand more than perhaps anything else uh, these days, other than uh, maybe the Home Depot uh, products based on those numbers Sarah shared, but we're going to get through it. We're going to persevere. And most importantly, hopefully we're going to learn from what this, this period has taught, not just uh, global supply chain, but global business and not to be too dramatic, but society, and hopefully right. be much better on the other side. So we'll see. I'm, that's my um, that's my hope. Okay, 
So Crystal and Sarah, I really, uh, Sarah, um, there's so much more we could dive into, but I know the picture you've painted, you've got a very busy, I'm sure a busy day ahead of you. Um, let's make sure folks know how to connect with the Home Depot. What, how, how can folks learn more? Absolutely. So uh, online, uh, if you go to corporate.homedepot.com forward slash forward slash newsroom, there's a whole bunch of information out there about uh, a lot of the things that we just talked about. That's a great resource. We also have a page on LinkedIn. And then if you want to connect directly with me, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn as well. That's, uh, but it was so awesome to be here. I am actually going to be getting on a flight uh, at about two o'clock today to head out of town for a couple of days and maybe look at a port. Uh, (laughs) Well, hey, I I know you do, um, uh, you stay busy in in the prep for this episode. We're talking about a variety of some of your keynotes and some of your other visits. So uh, I'm sure it goes with the territory, but uh, I really appreciate what you've shared here today and to carving some time out. Uh, I'll tell you, you everyone, Crystal, everyone has had an experience with the Home Depot. And here prior, I think I shared this with with Sarah and the team in the prep. Um, I used the Home Depot's um, I'm not sure what you call it, pro contractor, where, where folks, they'll, they'll send teams and pro the supplies referral. out. What's that? Either in-home services or pro referral. Yeah, in-home services. Mm-hmm. And not only did it solve a headache, because I'm terrible, at my, as my, my dear wife, Amanda, will attest, I can't do nothing myself. Uh, so they came in, had remedied this floor situation. Uh, we had folks dropping in, like like managers dropping in to, to check in and see how it was going. The follow-up, it was really, it solved one of our headaches um, here in recent months. So uh, good stuff there. Crystal, uh, before we sign off with Sarah, I'll give you your uh, one final word. Any, any final thought you'd like to uh, share with Sarah or our listeners? I'll share a similar story. So I had a, a floor repair, uh, went to Home Depot. I, the, the, the contractor was like, ma'am, can you just pick a floor? <laughs> And I, it took it took several months, and then I picked this beautiful floor, and my store didn't have it, and I was so thankful that they found it, and he was able, we were able to get it delivered to to my store, and you know that contractor was so happy because <laughs> I finally found the floor I like. So I'm I'm grateful for the Home Depot. <laughs> I love that. You know, we talk about uh, we talk about fast decision making from a business standpoint, but hey, there's something to be said for fast decision making from oh, a consumer absolutely. standpoint too. Um, Absolutely. Well, big thanks, Crystal. And how can folks connect with you? I love uh, between your LinkedIn lives and some of your keynotes and whatnot, Crystal. Love your content. How can folks connect with you? Absolutely. The best way to to connect with me is on LinkedIn, Crystal Y. Davis. And then, of course, you can go to the website, theleancoachinc.com. Wonderful. Uh, Crystal, always a pleasure. Big thanks to Crystal Davis, but also big thanks to the star of the show, Sarah Galitza, Vice President Transportation with the Home Depot. Sarah, thanks so much. It's great to be here. It was great to spend time with both of you. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So to our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation as much as we have. We had a blast. Not only was it informative on some of the cool things and innovative things, and, and frankly, some of the transparent challenges that uh, the Home Depot, like the rest of us, are fighting through, but a lot of fun. Uh, Sarah and Crystal are quite the personalities. And hey, it's been important, as we've said thousands of times, to maintain a nice, healthy sense of humor during these, these crazy times. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we have. Check out supplychainnow.com if you like conversations like this. But most importantly, folks, uh, on behalf of the rest of our Supply Chain Now team, Scott Luton signing off for now. Hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. 
Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.